Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 321. All websites are blogs and all businesses need one. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hello, hello, and thanks for being here with me today. I recently got back from moving my daughter into her house in Denver. And while I was there, I got a chance to do a meetup with some of our members of Gift Biz Breeze. If you're not part of this group yet, you're really missing out. I talk about it at the very end of this show, so you can learn a little bit more about this Facebook group, Gift Biz Breeze. The most amazing group of people who are all handmade creators. You should join us. And I've been asked, so yes, I have more meetups planned. Chicago, Tampa, Philly, Atlanta, Phoenix, all coming up this summer and early fall. The way to find out the details? Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. We are entering into a motivating new season. In-person shows are opening up again, and the opportunity to present your product and find new customers in this face-to-face format is finally here. I want to remind you that doing events like craft shows and farmer's markets offers great photo and posting opportunities for social media. We talked about this in one of our Tips and Talk episodes in the podcast just a couple of weeks ago. And I bring this up because you've told me you're discouraged when you don't see any of the time and effort you put into social media moving the needle on your sales. So given the time we're in right now, take this as a changing point to do something different. Putting in more time posting in the same way isn't going to magically bring you results. You need to change the way you're posting and what you're posting. You don't need to put in more work. You need to put in the right work. That's when things will change. If you need some help with this, I've got you covered with the Content for Makers program. Content for Makers will enlighten you as to why your social media activities aren't converting into sales. It will also show you how to put less time in and start seeing activity that will increase your sales. Just imagine a day where you know exactly what to post and to get it done in five minutes or less. Then you can spend your time interacting with potential customers, deepening relationships with those you already know, too. And it builds upon itself naturally. Yes, this is possible. Content for Makers includes a step-by-step strategy to formulating your unique plan based on your business and your products. Then you'll have 375 social media prompts over a full year of ideas. Along with the 375 prompts come 375 image suggestions, so you're not left hanging on the creative. These prompts and image suggestions can be used for all platforms and all types of posting. Images, live streaming, reels, even email direction. But that's not all. Posts aren't going to work if the right people aren't seeing them. So you'll also receive a video and a worksheet on how to choose and use hashtags. This is a way to attract the right people who will become your customers. 
most people are doing this wrong. There's more to Content for Makers, too. To see all the details, just jump over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash content for makers. But honestly, at only $27, it's a no-brainer. Why carry on posting as you've been doing all along, expecting different results? Sign up for Content for Makers now and see the transformation of your posting experience change before your very eyes. Giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash content for makers. Ready and waiting for your immediate access right now. On our show today, we're going to be addressing a frustration common with a lot of businesses. You've got your website up and running, but no sales are coming in. The natural tendency in this situation is to create an offer, and most of the time it's a product discount, and you promote it over on social. And yes, you may get some sales this way, but do you really want to always have to discount your products to prompt people to buy? This is taking money right out of your pocket. What if there was a way to direct more traffic to that fabulous website of yours without having to sacrifice your margin? And it gets better. What if I told you that the work you put in doing this lasts a hundred times longer than putting up a Facebook or Instagram post? It almost sounds too good to be true, but listen in and you'll see that it's right within your grasp. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Kate Kordsmeyer. Kate is a recovering workaholic perfectionist who values relationships and wellness as much as strategy. She's been a writer her entire life and for the past 11 years has made a living from her words, following her passions and interests first and always. She's an old soul who loves to read, cook, listen to old music, do crossword puzzles, and sit with her friends and family in the beautiful outdoors surrounded by good food and drink. She empowers women with actionable advice and inspirational content to turn their purpose into profits with an online business that reclaims their joy, power, and freedom without sacrificing their health, self-care, relationships and family, sanity, and spirituality. Kate, you are my kind of gal. Welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's so funny hearing your bio read like that. And I'm thinking, I sound like I'm 86 years old. (laughs) No, but you know, part of me just like wants to not even do this interview. And let's just go and sit outside and hang out with a glass of wine and do a puzzle or something. Right? (laughs) Doesn't that sound so good? Amazing. Yes. And honestly, I mean, I guess those things were associated with things that as you get older, but right now we're running so fast. We need that stuff to balance us out. Exactly. Yes. I think all the things that help me just slow down and be present and just remember that I have a life to enjoy, not just a business to run. Yeah, for sure. So those pleasant things like candles, which is going to lead me into my traditional question (laughs) here. And that is, if you were to describe yourself through a motivational candle, just to give us a feel for who you are in a different way. What color would your candle be and what would be a quote or a saying on that candle? Okay, so I've been thinking about this and I think that I'm going to play it really simple. It's going to be a white candle that says white space on it. And it's just that reminder of every time I look at it to like stop what I'm doing and think about how could I get more white space into my calendar and into my days and just 
exhale, and relax. Seriously, I'm not even kidding you. When you said white space, I just took a deep breath. Right? (laughs) When you were saying it, yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Like we need to fill in all the empty spaces with something. Totally. We need to stop doing that for sure. You had mentioned before I pressed record that you were on a Facebook Live, and I do Facebook Lives on Thursday morning within my private group. And I've been doing website reviews lately, and we talk about, like, you don't need to fill up every single white space on your website with copy or with photos. Like, Mm -hmm. let people take a little bit of a break, too. Yeah, break to the eye, for sure. Yeah. Just, like, overstimulated everywhere. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so let's move forward with our conversation and share with me a little bit about how you got to what you're doing today. Yeah. You mentioned that I have been a writer my whole life. And of course, that was true when I was just doing it for personal enjoyment. But I was a journalist for about a decade after I went to journalism school. And I actually first I started in corporate copywriting. And I lasted in corporate America for all of four months before I was like, I cannot live this life. You got smart fast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to have be a freelance journalist when I first graduated, but then all my friends got real jobs with health insurance and stuff. And so I panicked and got one too, and then immediately knew this is not for me. I quit my job and started a freelance journalism business. And I did that for about eight years before I ended up wanting to make another pivot. And that was to start a blog. There was a lot happening that kind of led up to that moment, but I started my wellness blog in at the end of 2015. After I did that for a few years and turned it into a six-figure business, I started getting asked from people all the time, like, how are you doing this? I don't understand how a blog makes money. What's going on here? And so I launched a course called the Six Figure Blog Academy, where I teach people how to grow and monetize a blog. And then that kind of led me to the next thing, which was launching other courses and getting more into the kind of online entrepreneurship strategy, business coaching space. So now I still have my blog, but I also do this business and have several courses and group coaching programs and a podcast and things all about business strategy. Wonderful. So what types of businesses then are you seeing are gravitating to also including a blog or is it a business unto itself? Well, both, I guess, is my answer, because I think that there's this big paradigm shift that's been brewing in the online world for a while. And I feel like I'm a broken record saying it, but hopefully maybe this is the first time your listeners are hearing it. And that's that all websites are blogs and all businesses need one. Even if you are a brick and mortar business or you have a service based business or retail or e-commerce, whatever, you need a website. And I believe in 2021, if that website has any content on it, it's a blog. And that's whether or not like you cringe at the word influencer or you're like, I'm not a blogger. What are you talking about? Blogs are your home base. They're how people find you. And so what I have learned through my blogging journey is that creating content online is the fastest way to show up in Google search results which will bring more people to your website, which will help you sell more products or whatever your goal is at the end of that road. So could be selling more products. You could monetize the platform itself, which is more of the kind of like traditional blogging route. But even if you're not interested in going that way, I believe that all businesses will sell exponentially more products if they have a blog. I couldn't agree with you more, but I will admit to you that I'm going to say it was 2008, 2009, maybe something like that. 
when I would be out at trade shows, people would come to our booth and I sell also a physical product, but people would come to our booth and they'd say that they were a blogger as their business. And I still didn't get it. I really Uh didn't understand. But as I've gotten more sophisticated in the online world, I do understand much more. And I think it's interesting. And I bring this up because I think our listeners may not totally understand this either, because you kind of think that a blog is one of those old WordPress.com sites Mm -hmm. that just is more of like a journaling site. Yeah, that's what I always say is a lot of people still think of blogs as a sort of like glorified MySpace pages where there's just sort of like a chronological diary. And that is so not what successful blogs at least are today. And you certainly don't have to be that. I wouldn't even recommend it if you actually do want to turn your blog into a profitable business. Recommend the platform or that structure or both. I do recommend WordPress exclusively for all websites. If you care about SEO and being findable through search, then you definitely should be on WordPress. Dot org. WordPress is not dot com. Dot org. Exactly. You want your website to be katecordsmeyer.com, not katecordsmeyer.wordpress.com. And you want it to be self-hosted, which is the big difference between the .com and the .org. I wish they would have named it something different because it confuses the heck out of people. Right. Truly, it's more about self-hosting, which just means you have like unlimited control over what you could do to your site, how you can make it look, all of the details. Whereas if you're using the free WordPress.com, it's hosted there and you're very limited in functionality. And I don't think you can even set up like a shopping cart or anything through .com. No. I don't think so either. I started with .com so, so, so long ago, and I still have my account up because I have one article on there that still does so great. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I've even looked at it for 10 years (laughs) or something like that. Oh, that's funny. It just sits out there. It does its thing, and that's fine and whatever. Mm -hmm. Just again, to clarify and make sure that everyone who's with us here is on the same page, define what a blog site would look like. And then we're going to gravitate in specifically to product-based businesses. Yeah. Okay. I think now all websites, you have your homepage of your website, and then you would probably have something in your menu navigation that says blog. When somebody would click that, they would be taken to a page where there's multiple posts of different types of content. And so to me, blogging is really more like content marketing. It's a marketing strategy to get organic leads rather than having to pay for ads or spend a lot of time on social media or some of the other ways that we think of marketing today. Blogging is just a form of content marketing. So how do people then, if they don't have a physical product, how are people making money with their blogs? Okay. So there's three main ways that people make money with their blogs when you're monetizing the platform itself. And so that's with ads, affiliates, and sponsors. So you can monetize your blog with three main methods. It's ads, affiliates, and sponsors. And I'll just give like a quick overview of what each of those are. So ads is pretty obvious. These are display ads. You go to pretty much any website today and you're going to be hit with an ad. And those are paid out generally when somebody just views the ad. Sometimes there's also where they're paying out if somebody clicks the ad, but we won't get into all the details. So these are just display advertising on your website. The second way is affiliates. And affiliates is when you are using affiliate links. And so you're recommending somebody else's product or service. 
and you have a blog post about it, maybe you have reviews or you're including it in lots of different places, could be email or social media, whatever. And every time somebody buys through your link, you get a commission on that sale. So you don't get anything up front, but you get paid out when people purchase through your link. And then sponsors is kind of similar, but it's the reverse. So sponsorships is when you're going to partner up with a brand and they're going to pay you an upfront flat fee. So let's say they'll give you $1,000 to write a blog post about their product. And then that's all you get. You get that $1,000 up front, but no matter what happens, you don't earn any more or less. So I prefer affiliate marketing because there's so much more earning potential. There's not that upfront guarantee, but you can earn on that blog post for many years to come. Yeah, because once the link's in place, you can keep going forever. Exactly. And one of my favorite examples to share is something that has come up a lot lately. I had a blog post that I wrote three years ago, and it's consistently shown up in the first page of Google for a long time. And we've earned about $5,000 a month from this post for a long time, just this one post. And it's because it shows up on Google search results and then it's monetized with affiliate links. But when the pandemic hit, more people were searching for this particular topic. And so we got a surge of traffic. And we ended up making $42,000 in three months from this one blog post. And I was on maternity leave. No. <laughs> so I didn't even do anything. It was an old post. And that just like really showed and solidified the power of affiliate marketing to me of like, man, this is the long game. For sure. That's really incredible, actually. <laughs> Were you looking at the numbers saying this can't really be right? Something's wrong yeah, here. <laughs> I was. I'm like, something's going on here. And eventually the traffic did kind of go back down to normal. And so it didn't stay that high forever. But like I said, we still consistently make multiple thousand dollars a month from this one blog post. Well, and the point is that putting in the time to write an article that people are going to be interested in and then overlaying that, in your case, with affiliate links, however you're going to do that, can be a moneymaker. All of us listening here don't really think about any of that. And I don't even know if that's what we'll talk about as it applies to product-based businesses. Maybe we will. But it's just the whole idea of a blog in and of itself, because I'm going to just go out on a limb here. I've looked at a lot of websites of people who are in the community, and I'm going to say at most 10% have a blog. Mm, well, let's change that. Yeah, seriously. That's why when we started talking about doing this interview, I'm like, all right, such a good topic. We got to go through this <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I mean, and to your point, I think I get a lot of people who get confused too, because I have two businesses and one is like selling courses and one is my blog. And a lot of people say, you only make money with your blog from your courses. And I'm like, no, no, no. In 2020, we made over $200,000 from my blog just with ads, affiliates, and sponsors. I didn't sell anything on my blog, Root and Revel. You can fully monetize your blog in and of itself. But I also think you can use it as a way to supercharge your organic traffic and leads and sell more of your products as well. Right. So you can do a couple of things. I mean, here on the show, we are going to be talking more about affiliate links. So that's some, another thing coming up. But I want us all to start opening our eyes that even if we have a handmade product business, your ability to earn an income doesn't come just from direct sales of your specific product. There are other things that you can be doing. Obviously, it's going to be your product. That's what you love making. That's why you started here. But there are other avenues to be bringing in an income too that you layer on. You don't replace your product. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's very much about having diverse revenue streams. So you don't have all your eggs in one basket. They all can complement each other. They don't have to compete with each other, but it just kind of gives you a safer, more sustainable business where you're not just relying on this one method. Well, we have started talking, Kate, just to bring you up to speed with some of the conversations we've had here. You make your product and you sell it. Is there a certain product category you think would be a good one to talk about? So I'll start with that product as we're diving into that. Is there one you're thinking about, Kate? Honestly, anything. Let's say jewelry. Okay, beaded jewelry, for example. So we have a maker who sells beaded jewelry. And what we've been talking about lately is, all right, well, yeah, you're going to do that. You're going to make products. You're going to go to craft shows. You're going to sell direct to consumer there. You have a website. But this is all selling your product, right? Through Facebook Live shows, all of these things. Now people are getting to the point where they're starting to create programs around their product too. So maybe they make kits and they do little trainings where you get the kit and then you learn how to make a beaded bracelet all by yourself. Uh And so you're selling. So this is kind of training, talking about different streams of income here, we have been talking about those types of things. So now let's talk about, well, what would a blog then do and what types of articles? And so let's just stay with beaded jewelry because we can all understand what that looks like. How then, if someone has a website, they go out to shows, so they have their product and they're pretty established there, but they've never thought in a million years, and they maybe don't even, have never thought of themselves as a writer even, But how would you layer on a blog on top of that type of a business? So I love this example. It's so perfect. And I just did a quick Google search for beaded jewelry. And so there's related keywords that are showing up here, like beaded jewelry trends 2021. So you could do a roundup and you could do many different posts on the trends in beaded jewelry, talking about that, getting people excited about what they could potentially buy from you or your affiliate partners. The next keywords that I'm seeing are beaded jewelry tutorials. So yes, you could sell your own kits, but you could also just have some like how-to posts. You could do blog posts about really simple things for getting started, I would think would be really helpful. People who are just getting into this and are like, I'm going to make my first beaded necklace ever. And you would have tutorials for that. You could have roundups of the materials that you need in order to make your own beaded jewelry. I'm looking at some other things. They have handmade beaded jewelry patterns. So you could be talking about different patterns for how to, I'm not a beaded jewelry expert. So I'm like, what is a pattern? I don't even know what that means. So there's lots of different ideas and you can get ideas just from Googling your topic and seeing what other related keywords come up, what people, when you Google something now, it gives you this thing. It says people also ask and it says, can you make money selling beaded jewelry? Well, you could write a blog post that answers that question. I would focus on blog posts that are going to get people towards your goal. So if your goal is to sell your own beaded jewelry, that blog post maybe doesn't make sense. But beaded jewelry trends makes a lot of sense. You want to think about what's going to get people in the right mindset or frame of mind in order to buy your product. Yeah, well, I'm also thinking because you're going exactly where I think some of the minds of our listeners are going is that, well, why would I want to sell someone away from them buying if they could make their own? 
And I'm going to say, first off, some people will try to make their own and then see that they can only make a simple design uh-huh. or they never want to do it again. They only want to wear your beautiful creations. Right. So that's one thing. So I wouldn't be so hesitant or worried about that. You want to have some strategy around it, but I don't think that you should just shut down this idea thinking that it's going to raid sales from you. Right. The other thing is, I think it also opened up completely different audiences. Wouldn't you say, Kate? Because just like how you have a blog, you also teach blogging. People that you're teaching blogging to aren't stealing away business from your blog. No. If that makes sense. Yes, exactly. It's an entirely new audience that's coming to you for potentially a different thing. Yes, totally. And I think you have to think of like sort of this long-term strategy. So for example, if your ultimate goal is to sell your own beaded jewelry products, you can get people like, what if you had a beaded jewelry tutorial post? This is a blog post. And in that post, you just kind of take like three photos of the step-by-step process of how to do something really, really simple. And then people come and they find you through that. And then they might read the post and you could have like an email opt-in on the post that kind of takes them the next step. Okay, they've seen the tutorial. Now, if they join your email list, you can give them a list of your top 10 favorite tools for making your own beaded jewelry. Well, then they get on your email list and then from your email, you can start nurturing them and talking to them about how, yeah, you could either buy this kit from me or you could just buy the necklace. If what you really want is to have a really pretty beaded jewelry necklace, here it is. Here's the thing. You don't have to go through all these other steps. But if you do actually want to make it yourself, I have options for that too. And those tools could be affiliate links. So if people buy those tools, then you're getting a kickback from it also. Exactly. Exactly. Ooh, I'm liking this a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That works really well. So a blog, does it have to be just all written or how is video doing in a blog these days? Video is huge in blogging right now. And Google is really rewarding blogs that have video. So meaning that they're putting them higher up in the search results. And this is again, why I'm like, all websites are blogs. Let's get out of thinking of blogs as this one thing. I think of, like I mentioned, blogging is a form of content marketing. And it's just kind of the home base where that content lives and attracts people into your sphere. And so hypothetically, I have a podcast and I take the show notes for that podcast and I create a blog post with it. I kind of expand them out a little bit. I optimize them for SEO. I put a podcast player directly in the post so you could listen to it right there. And now this lives on my blog and makes me findable by Google. Whereas if I only was living in the podcast, like in Apple Podcasts or Libsyn or whatever, then Google can't really find me. So there's ways to do that. And the same would go for video. So you could either be uploading your video directly to your site or potentially you have a YouTube channel and you have your YouTube channel, but then I would also recommend now create a blog post that embeds that video from YouTube and has optimized for SEO. So again, you're findable, although YouTube is also a search engine in and of itself. So you're findable there as well. Yeah, but no reason not to have it in both places. Well, and it's just you're repurposing. It's not like you have to reinvent the wheel, just put the exact same thing in both places. Right. Absolutely. The other thing I'm thinking about for topics is I'm going to say what I'm thinking and then I'm going to give you an example. Okay. What types of questions do you get from customers on a regular basis? 
could that be something that turns into a blog? And the example I want to give is Anna with Limbo Imports. And Kate, she does these unbelievably gorgeous cotton hammocks and hammock chairs. They are amazing. And a lot of people use them for indoor use. But the biggest question that she gets is, how do I hang this? Like, this looks so hard based on the weight that it has to hold. Like, how do you do this? Yep. The second she started answering that question for people, her business soared. Exactly. So she has a blog post or maybe several different types. But let's just say one that says how to hang an indoor hammock. And then she details out, here's how to do it. Here's the other tools you might need. And it could be everything from like, here's the hammer or the drill and whatever it is, those could all be affiliate links. And then you're showing pictures of your own beautiful product. So people are like, Ooh, I want this hammock. Then when you have people who are interested in potentially buying, but they're coming to you with that question first, you just direct them to the blog post. Here you go. We have it all detailed for you right here. Yeah. And I'm thinking of something else here too, just to get everyone juices flowing a little bit about ideas of things that you can do. Let's say you make cupcakes, okay? And you usually do like the dessert tables and all. Mm -hmm. You could talk about what you need to put on a dessert table. Or let's say, how about a mini dessert tray for a small party of four, for example? Yes. Then you could collaborate with someone else who's part of our community here, like if Fizzbreeze in our community who maybe makes serving trays. Yeah. The two of you could join together. You could talk about how you put the cupcakes or whatever the desserts are on a tray. And then the other business has a tray and you two together could work with each other on something like this. A hundred percent. Yeah, I love it. And I mean, my daughter is turning one this weekend. And so I'm like, I'm already Googling how to decorate for a one-year-old's birthday, like cute cupcake and cake ideas for birthday parties and stuff. And if you were showing up in the search results and then it was like, oh, and I can buy these cupcakes from you, sold. Yeah. And I can get a tray with her name that celebrates her first birthday. Mm -hmm. So cool. Yeah. All those types of things. Oh my gosh. So exciting. Okay. So I think we've gotten people thinking now along the lines and we've given them a number of different ideas of how they could create a blog. It sits on the same website as your products. So don't go and create a whole nother site. Let's not complicate life. Right. Plus you want to drive everything to the same place so it can all work together yes. for SEO going to your site. I know, Kate, that you said WordPress is your preferred platform, but a lot of us here are on sites like Shopify. Okay. And they do have a section where you can create a blog on your site there. How do you feel about that? Well, I feel like you're not going to like my answer, but... Well, we're being honest here, so let's yeah. just go with it. Okay. My opinion is I would move your site to WordPress and add the Shopify plugin to your WordPress site because what my fear is, and I'm not totally familiar with Shopify's site, but there's a lot of things for the technical SEO, things like meta descriptions and alt text and SEO titles and things that you probably either don't know about yet or it's a lot. SEO is always like you don't know what you don't know. But there's a lot of features that I doubt Shopify allows you to do, even though you can technically have a blog. If it's not optimized for SEO, you're not going to rank. And then it's like kind of all for naught. Yeah, I'm not sure. I actually think Shopify has gotten more sophisticated 
with that as time has gone on. Mm -hmm. Plus, it is very much optimized for your products. Yeah. So, which is the original driving force of going to Shopify. So, it's a question. It's something to consider and think about. Maybe I'll investigate that a little bit further just to know. Yeah. But regardless of which platforms you're on, so WordPress predominantly is what you suggest. Shopify, wherever you are, because I don't want you not to do it because you're not going to change to a different site. Wherever you are, if you have the option to add a blog, do it, (laughs) right? And then how else can you promote the fact that you have a blog? Like what about social media options? There's a lot more to hear about blogging, and that will happen on the other side of this quick break. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How, you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. So I really put my energy into SEO because SEO is a little bit more passive in the sense that you set it up once. And yes, there's maybe some things you monitor and you're kind of, you can go back and repair or repurpose things and make them better as you learn more after they have been live for a while. But I'm a mom of two under two and a half. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I am busy. I know so many of your listeners are probably busy moms as well. And even if you don't have kids, it's a fast paced world, right? And I don't like spending my life on my phone and on social media. So I really try to emphasize like you don't need social media to grow your blog. I think you are going to get much more traffic from an SEO strategy or from a Pinterest strategy, which is also a search engine and not a social media platform. So I would focus on Pinterest and SEO rather than things like Facebook or Instagram, because those apps are designed to keep you on the site or on the app, you know? And while I think they can be a great complement for building a community, they're not good traffic drivers. They're not designed to be. It's like you have to have a certain number of followers to even be able to swipe up. And so they want you to stay on the app. So if you're trying to drive traffic back to your site, I think you'll find much more bang for your buck focusing on search and SEO, Pinterest, that kind of thing. Okay, perfect. Because we have been talking about Pinterest more and more here lately. And for those of you who are just joining in, Pinterest is like just what Kate's just been talking about, more of a search engine versus a social media platform. It started as a social media platform, but it's morphed kind of like the same thing that YouTube has done. Right. People go to Pinterest and they type in something in the search bar. They're looking for something particular. So maybe they're looking for beaded jewelry or they're looking for hammocks or something, you know, like they're typing that into Pinterest and then seeing what comes up versus like on Instagram, for example, people aren't usually typing in something. They're just scrolling through their feed. Most people now with Pinterest, they don't go to Pinterest and scroll. They go to Pinterest and search. 
Right. Exactly. All right. So let's get back to our beaded jewelry. Okay. We've made an article. Let's go with what you were saying. So it's a tutorial of how to do the beaded jewelry. And you can either get the pieces yourself or you can buy the kit that I already have ready for you and sent out. And then you can follow the instructions. Yep. How then do I use that on Pinterest? I'm obviously not putting that whole article up on Pinterest. But so what am I doing with this now? Take us forward from here. Yeah. So you need to have some photos to accompany this blog post. And they could either be like original photos that you took, or you could use something like Canva and they have a free plan and you can create a graphic for Pinterest that maybe has a photo with some text over it that says DIY your own beaded necklace. And then what you're doing is you're pinning that image or that graphic to a board in Pinterest, and you're putting a description of what that pin is talking about. So it would be like DIY tutorial for, and you're going to want to optimize it with the keywords that people are searching for, for this particular kind of tutorial. And I guarantee you people are searching for it. It's more this pin description with an image or a graphic, and then it links back to your blog. So now if I go to Pinterest, I would type in beaded necklace and potentially your image would show up. And then I would be like, yes, that's beautiful. I want that. I would click it and it would take me to your blog. Right. So it all then goes back to your blog on your website, which is the reason why you want all of it together, because then when someone's on your website, they might also look at your products. Right. So it all funnels back there. The other thing that I have learned, it's been about six months or so, but I didn't know this before then, is you can take one piece of content and make multiple images for multiple purposes on Pinterest. Oh, yeah. So your work of this one article Could become like 40 pins. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? How many? Yeah. But like all different types of images and topics. Like one of them might be, again, with our beaded jewelry example, is Saturday afternoon activities with your teenager. Mm -hmm. Or, well, do teens do anything with their parents? I don't even know. (laughs) You know what I mean? You can take that article so that one piece of content, like you were saying earlier, Kate, putting all the effort into that article that can work for you for years. This is the same type of thing, but the different angles of how people might be interested that the content of your article serves. Right. Yeah. Five DIY projects for a rainy afternoon. And one of them is making your own beaded jewelry. And then that's linking to your products or your kits or whatever it is that you're selling there. And then some of the others may have nothing to do with you. It might just be like crossword puzzles and then there's something else. So some of them may not be anything related to your thing. It's just a roundup and your business is one example. And then the others could either be affiliate links or just a genuine, just this is actually something else you could do. And it doesn't necessarily, not every word has to be monetized. Right. And roundups. I mean, I think we forget about these. And I will say our community barely ever uses these. And it could be so good. So you could do a roundup, just like Kate's talking about, of the five things. One of them is your product, but maybe the four others are other people's products of people that you know. And you tell them, hey, I just did a blog article and I'm including you, FYI. Yes, then they share it. Then they share it, right. Yeah, roundups are great for that. And there's so many good examples. Because this is so fresh on my mind, I've been searching for birthday cakes for my daughter's birthday. And so I'm like, if you sell cupcakes, you could do a roundup of 10 beautiful 
cakes for baby girl birthdays. And there's a unicorn cake and there's a gemstone cake and there's whatever. And some of them are yours and some of them are affiliates or people in your community that you just want to give a shout out to and then they share it and it's a win for everybody. Absolutely. I love that idea. So yeah, so it's not just all of your content all the time and it's not all like a tutorial article. There are so many options. So many options. So, you know, when you just open your eyes and think of different opportunities and options to include other people that then bring additional exposure to your brand, all of that. Right. Oh, and emails. You know, once you've done an article, then you want to share that there is an article available. So that's email content for your list. Yep. Because you want to make sure that they know about it. So many things just blossom out of that one article, I'll say. <laughs> it leads me to a question, though, and that is, you know how in email deliverability can be affected by how many images you have in your email? Mm-hmm. Is there anything like that that's associated with blog articles? Too many pictures, too little pictures, have a picture, don't have a picture? Always have at least one image. And it doesn't have to be like original photography. If you're doing a roundup of 10 rainy day activities, you could just have one graphic and it's of a stock image of somebody doing a puzzle or something. It doesn't have to be some fancy original photography. But you always want to have at least one image, mostly because it's just visually appealing and it breaks up the text. I mean, I hesitate to say there's no such thing as too many images, but only because I feel like that's not the problem that I see most people having. It's more so having enough. Mm -hmm. So I would say at least one. I usually try to shoot for like three to five images per post, but it depends on how long the post is as well. A much longer post might need more images, whereas a quick 200 word post is good with just one. But the other thing you said that I just wanted to be super clear about. So if you have a blog post and you want to email your list and say, hey, we've got a new article up. What you want to do is you don't want to put the entire blog post in the email. You want to give them a reason to click and go to your website to read the post. So I always do more of like a teaser and then to read the full post, go here. Excellent. Agreed. Because then they have no reason to go over to your website. And again, if right now it's just your product that you're selling primarily, or even as an add-on, someone wants to pick up a bracelet in addition to whatever else they're reading about, if they don't get over to the website, you've lost that opportunity. Right. Plus, who's going to read an email article that's 7,000 pages long? (laughs) Yeah. No, nobody wants to do that. And I think you can build a little bit of intrigue for people and get them excited about reading it. And again, you're just kind of like, teaching people how to engage with you on a more regular basis and get over to your website more. The more they're on your website, the more likely they are to purchase. So getting them there is always helpful. But I do want to differentiate too, because I think it could be valuable to have some content that's like created for people who are already in your community or on your email list. But a lot of what I'm talking about here is more to get new leads and new traffic coming in. So it's more about what are people searching for that could bring them to your site rather than like, this person's already on my list. What do they need? Okay. Really good distinction. In terms of actually the content direction, is there a sweet spot for how long a blog should be in terms of word count or anything? You know, I don't really think so. I mean, I think what you want to do is you want to solve their problem in full. You don't want to give them like half an article that's like, well, wait, now what? 
being comprehensive is important, but people have short attention spans. Most people aren't reading thousands of words for a post. So I think somewhere between 500 and 1,000 words is probably a good place to shoot for. It's not a hard and fast rule. Okay. And then what about structure? And I'm thinking about breaking up the text with bold headlines, things like that. Yeah. So you want to use headlines. You'll want to use bullet points when needed. You want to have images to break up the text. There's other things that you can do that are both good for breaking up text and a better user experience and are good for SEO. For example, having related posts within that post. So this is what SEO would call like internal linking. So somebody is looking at your beaded necklace post, and then you might also like this beaded bracelet post. And that breaks up the text. And it also sends a signal to Google that you're doing internal linking, which they like. Do they like internal linking and external linking? Yes. Both. Both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there such a thing as too many links in an article? You know, I think if you're link stuffing and it's not a good user experience, then yes, there would be such a thing as that. I think if you're writing it, like if you have a roundup of 20 items all DIY jewelers need and you have 20 links, that makes sense. That's exactly what the post is built for. But if you're just linking every word you possibly could to just like get an affiliate link in there or it feels unnatural or something, then you don't want to go that route. And to complete this portion of the conversation, I think this is olden days, so it's not happening as much, but I just want to address it still is what about keyword stuffing? Yeah, I mean, very similar. Like, so we have a checklist inside the Six Figure Blog Academy that I give people about where to put your keyword and kind of variations of the keyword. Some people I think get like really fixated on it has to be this exact phrase a million times. And it's like, no, you can have some variations, but you don't want to keyword stuff. So again, you want to read it and it sounds like a human wrote it and that it's not just super repetitive and awkward and unnatural to how people speak. But there are lots of places you can put the keyword. And some of it is visual to the reader. So it's like in the title, in the URL, in the headline, some in the copy itself. But a lot of it's like more on the back end where it's that meta description. It's the alt text. It's lots of the things that are happening behind the scenes that your readers will never see. I guess, you know, all that back end can sound very foreign (laughs) and make people uncomfortable, but I would liken it to, let's say you're getting ready to go out to dinner and what people see when you enter into the restaurant, you're dressed nicely, you've got your makeup on, your hair done, et cetera. But behind the scenes, you used a really good product on your hair so that it looks shiny you use some nice lotion on your skin, you know, whatever it is. That's kind of the behind the scenes things that are what alt tags are and all of that. And I think there are some, do you call them apps or plugins, Kate, that you can use that help trigger you to fill in these things so that the whole package is complete. It's not just you write your blog, but all those behind the scene things, kind of like I was just talking about going out to dinner. Yeah. Like you want all of that together to really give as much power to your article as possible. Exactly. And this is one of the reasons that I'm like WordPress is the best option for SEO because they do have plugins like this that don't exist on some other platforms. So one of my favorites, and it's super ubiquitous at this point, but it's called Yoast, Y-O-A-S-T. It's a free plugin. And when you download it, every time you write a post, you put in there, this is the keyword I'm trying to rank for. 
And so you put in the keyword or the keyword phrase, and then it tells you where to put that keyword. And it's going to give you like a red, green, or yellow light to tell you whether or not you met sort of the basic requirements. It is not like a hard and fast rule. I have some posts that don't always get a green light. It doesn't account for a lot of nuance, but it's a great tool to use, especially when you're first getting started and you're like, how am I ever going to keep track of all of this? Or this is so new and foreign to me. And you just look at the Yoast plugin and it's like, okay, you didn't put it in your meta description or your keyword's missing from the first paragraph of your copy, whatever. Yeah. It also helps with readability. Yes. I get so mad at that Yoast thing. (laughs) I know. I'll change like one little portion of a sentence because it reads more like how I talk. And then I'll change from like green to orange or something. And I'm like, seriously, (laughs) I just changed two words. Yeah. And that's why I say sometimes I do think like a lot of my students are like, I can't get green. And I'm like, okay, it's more of an art than a science. And just know that Google is going to reward positive user experiences more than it's going to reward robots version of readability. So if it's something that feels more natural, it has more personality, it's going to connect more with your people. But Yoast is saying like, oh, this is a run on sentence. Who cares? Oh, good. Well, thank you, Kate. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate that. This is a question I've never thought of before. When you talk about reader experience, does Google then look and see how much time is spent on a particular, I guess that's Google Analytics, right? How much time is spent on a blog article? And then click-throughs also too. So I guess I do know that. I just never really thought it through so much. Yeah. I mean, there's something that you can see in your Google Analytics that's called bounce rate. And so this is basically what shows Google how many people come to your site. Like they click something from Google, come to your site, and then immediately leave. Like that's showing that you were not matching search intent. They didn't have a good user experience. Sometimes it's by no fault of your own. Like, oh, I'm looking for an apple pie recipe and this particular one has nutmeg in it and I'm allergic, bye. So it's not always like your problem, but bounce rate generally is how Google is measuring whether you were matching search intent and providing a positive experience. Okay, perfect. All right, so we could dive into all of this nitty gritty and sit here for probably another hour talking about Mm -hmm. all of that. But let's circle back to just an overarching statement of what the value of a blog would be for a product business and leave everybody with that thinking. Yes. So if you feel like you're constantly having to show up live on social media or just be there reinventing the wheel every day, or you're spending a lot of money on ads and you're just not getting the kinds of sales and leads that you want... I think blogging is going to be a great marketing strategy that's going to help you become findable and increase your visibility, which will then increase your sales. Love it. And it makes me feel like I can breathe, (laughs) you know, kind of like the white space we were talking about in the beginning, because we're all pushing so hard for social media and it's so stressful. And social media is every day. You got to do it all over again things have such a short shelf life, but blogging is such a long game. And so there's so much longevity that comes from having a blog post. Perfect. I love that. I think you've gotten everybody thinking here a little bit deeper about instituting and having a blog for themselves. Awesome. Talk a little bit more about what you offer if someone would like to learn more from you. Sure. Thank you. I have a couple different programs. We have one called 21 Days to Impact. 
Um, this is for really beginners. So I would say this is for people who either don't have a website yet, or maybe you have a website, but it's on one of the platforms that I don't think is going to get you the most bang for your buck and you are willing to switch then 21 days to impact might be a good place to start because it's going to teach you how to use WordPress, how to get everything set up and get your blog up and running. But if you already have a website that you're happy with and you just want to add a blog component, then the Six Figure Blog Academy could help you with SEO, with your email marketing. If you want to explore affiliates or other ways you can monetize your blog itself, that's really the program that teaches you how to do that. And then just to throw one more option into the mix, I do have another program called the Success with Soul Incubator. And this is actually where I think most of your audience would be a good fit. Anybody who already has a business established, I should say. And in it, we talk about content marketing and how to use this to do exactly what we talked about. 6FBA is more about monetizing your blog itself, whereas the incubator is more about how to use your blog to sell more of your products. Wonderful. And where should people go to learn more about these programs? So I'll just share the link for the last one. It's katecordsmeyer.com forward slash apply. That's a great place to get started. And if you're there and you're like, no, this isn't right for me, I'm interested in one of the other things, just remove the apply and go check out my regular website and you'll find the other stuff there. Perfect. And as always, of course, links will be in the show notes page. So easily accessible for you for later as well. Awesome. So Kate, this has been so interesting just having this conversation. I really think that blogs are something that most product businesses aren't really thinking about and certainly not thinking about to the potential that they can provide. So I really appreciate you sharing all of this with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. I hope I got everyone's wheels turning and I really appreciate you having me. Okay, stop right there. Don't just listen to this show. Having just received this understanding of how to drive business over to your website and do nothing about it. Figure out a topic that would be something your ideal customer would search for to know. Write an article about it and put it up on your site. It's something that you can do this week if you make it a priority. Then, direct message me over on Instagram, at giftbizunwrapped, of course, when your article is up. I have something special in store for the first 10 people who do this. I'll be waiting to watch which one of you it is. It's going to be worth it, I promise. So, we've talked about how to make more sales by getting eyeballs over to your website. Next week, we'll be talking about another way to make money from your website that doesn't necessarily include your products. Hmm, big question mark over your head, right? It's a stream of income naturally ready and waiting for your handmade product business, and I can't wait to share it with you. As always, thanks so much for spending time with me today. If you'd like to show support for the podcast, a rating and review would mean so much and helps the show get seen by more makers. So it's a great way to pay it forward. Also, make sure to follow the podcast so episodes automatically download to your phone. You don't want to miss a thing, including my new tips and talks that go live on Thursdays. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. 
I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 